This is Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Well, welcome into episode number four. I am your host, Rick Hampton, and I thought we'd do things just a little bit different today. Normally, during this part of the show, I'm telling you who my guest is going to be on the episode, and before it's over, I will share that information. But today, you hear her voice throughout the entire show, and I wanted to introduce you to the lovely voice coming from the booth across from me over there, and she is freshly back from vacation, the voice of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton podcast. It's Candace Marshall. Hey, thanks, Rick, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, you just got back from vacation. Um, Tell me about that, because of course, I'm envious. Well, we went to Orlando, Mm. and uh, so my daughter is on a competitive cheer squad and they got the opportunity to perform at Universal Studios. So we decided to make a family vacay out of it. Nice. Okay. I, I did get to see some pictures, but tell me about some of the experience. Just tell me a little bit about it. So we took a day and went to Disney World. Last time that my kiddos went, my daughter was only two, so she didn't get to experience that. So mm. we decided to take her again. Now my older one, he's 13 and he was too cool for Disney World this time. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, so we did Disney World one day and then uh, we had never been to Universal before so spent about a day and a half there and had a blast it was a really different experience because everything's a lot more movie driven Mm -hmm. um, at Universal so my husband was in heaven they've got a brand new ride it's the Fast and the Furious ride cool so it's like you're a part of the movie well now it's been since 2004 since I've been to Disney World and I will tell you that even then I fangirled I didn't care as soon as I saw Mickey Mouse I'm like dude come here man I'm just as bad Bring as the kids. <laughs> I, I got my picture with Ariel. Um, nice. I'm I, Like I said, I you know, they've got the little autograph books mm-hmm. and I was just as pumped as my daughter going around getting all the autographs. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, That's yeah. cool. We had a blast. Yeah. See, I'm that way too. Ariel is one of my favorites and then Jasmine are my two. You know, Jasmine was not there. We we wow. didn't have. Yeah. So sometimes they're at different parks. Mm-hmm. Um, and But Belle is my absolute favorite. Nice. So and we actually got to eat at the BR guest restaurant they just put that in within the last eight years nice and uh so we got to stunk in some reservations last minute and had dinner at bell's castle cool. and and the um the beast is actually there at the castle as your host for dinner so that nice. was pretty awesome that yeah. is cool yeah so that is very neat well now um a lot of people don't know it, but uh you and you and i work together now i mean just recently right? which is exciting news i'm excited about it but just recently uh you became the worship director at the church that I work for, Church That Matters in Sand Springs. Yes, I'm super excited about the opportunity. We love uh, being at Church That Matters and just really excited for what God has in store for moving forward. I'm looking forward to all of the uh, the team of the worship team to get together and yeah. uh, I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it and if you don't have a church home, I would love for you to be here in Sand Springs at Church That Matters. You can do that at 3 West 41st Street, just a little plug there. But you're also plugged into the community because you're a teacher. Yes. Tell me I, about that a little bit. So I teach at Angus Valley Elementary School here in Sand Springs and um, have uh, going into the fall will be my 10th year teaching. Um, I've wow. taught at some various uh, schools. I, I was at um, Glenpool Middle School, my very first year teaching and quickly found out that middle school was not my calling in life. And uh, so a transition to elementary and that's what I love. Elementary music is my passion. I have pre-K through fifth grade and I absolutely love it. Fourth year at back at Angus. Angus, that's cool. That is very cool. Yeah. And I know that uh, the kids love you. Uh, I, I know several kids that go there and they love Miss Marshall. Well, thank you. I love my kiddos. I call them my babies. I, they're just like my own kids and, and I just love getting to just build relationships with them. It's it's more than just music class for me. I, I love just getting to be a part of their lives and that's 
that's what truly matters to me. That is so awesome. You know what? Thanks for being here with me. And it's time to put you back to work, okay? All right. Coming up in just a few minutes, we've got Rodney Lay Jr. on the show. He is going to walk us through his life. Um, He has been around the world, literally. Plus, he uh, spent a lot of time in Nashville. You'll hear some stories about that. And he has a famous dad as well who used to be on Hee Haw. We'll talk all about all of those things. Plus, he's going to play one of his hit songs live for us on the program. So you don't want to miss that. It is all coming up next. Candace, you ready? I'm ready. Guest crew, stand by. Cue Candace in three, two, one. Welcome to the Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton podcast. Brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Join radio veteran Rick Hampton and his guests for informative and entertaining discussions as they take you behind the scenes, behind the stories, behind the music, and more. Originating from the Big Daddy Studios, it's time to go behind the mic, and here's your host, Rick Hampton. Off and running with episode number four. My special guest today is Rodney Lay Jr., Welcome in to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. That Hampton boy and his happy mic. (laughs) Maybe I should have picked that as the title. You come from a rich, classic country background. Your dad was a Rockabilly Hall of Fame member, um, band leader for country music legend Roy Clark for 20 years, and he also appeared on the uh, program Hee Haw for many years as well, and I would love to have him on as a guest of the show as well. He is such a wealth of information in the music industry. Just turn him on and he talks. (laughs) Without a doubt. I am excited to talk to you about not only your music career, but also your career in radio and kind of what led you to all of that as well. I know you've worked for several country music stars, including... Roy Clark, Mel Tillis, Glenn Campbell, Aaron Tippin, and Kentucky Headhunters, just to name a few. And, you know, one of the coolest things I think about you is that you were on a nationally televised tour in Poland, and you have won a Dove Award for the Gospel Music Association for Bluegrass Song of the Year for He Still Looks Over Me, which, by the way, I'm excited because you're going to perform that live in studio before you leave today. But let's get right down to your radio career, kind of where it started. Did music come first and then uh, playing around and stuff and then radio? Well, or? Rick, they kind of happened simultaneously. Okay. Um, in high school, of course, I had bands mm-hmm. uh, growing up, little cover bands. And then one time, kind of as a, as a dare from my friends, we were driving around Independence, Kansas. There was a station there called KIND, and they and, and I used to jokingly do a disc jockey voice, all that, you know, <laughs> it's sunny and 78 degrees and all that nonsense. <laughs> right? So they said, we dare you to go in there. And, and so I went in there and, and told the guy who I was. His name was Nelson Rupart. He knew who my dad was, and dad had been on KGGF in Coffeeville years before that. And had a good little run there. And so Nelson hired me to do afternoon drive. So wow. I came back out. I'm like, I, I've got a job. I got a job. <laughs> so anyway. This, this dare has become a job now. That's what it was. Wow. So that's how that started. And So how uh, long were you there? Oh, gosh, about four years. Wow. Four years in total. So, yeah. Um, and I say wow, and, and some people don't understand that, but, I mean, in radio business yeah. that's that's, really that's a long big now. deal right yeah. that is a long tenure you know especially right. then so right okay so you were there for four years and then where did you head then well after that um i went to kxls and did mornings in enid oklahoma and then after that uh fell in love you know with this gal in and uh from independence i, I came back from from kxls went back to work for kind for just a smidge went to school to further my education there and mm-hmm. um 
take some basics and that kind of stuff. Fell in love, and then um, of course it wasn't love, but you know what? Yeah, right. and, and and followed the girl to Austin, Texas, and, and and which turned out to be a wonderful thing. I, I went to work for Case One Hundred One, nice. which was the, the you know the right. media market station of the year in the CMAs at that time. Right, and then from that I went to work for B ninety three, which was a CHR station. And, and also the biggest one in town, and just had a blast. This is back in the days when they would hire limousines for you. They would have beer and pizza parties at the radio station. Station, wow. Not yeah. conducive to great work, in, you know. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> to your best air work, but it was a lot of fun. And Manhattan just made great friends down there and, and enjoyed that. And at that time, Rick, I mean, the city of Austin was like 300,000, and now it's well over a million. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, it's really grown. But, yeah, just, you know, great experiences all the way around. Right. So then um, once you were uh, finished there in Austin, mm-hmm. um, did, is that when you made the jump back to Nashville? This, is when, this is when Billy Parker uh, hired me and okay. brought, brought me to a KVOO AM back then. Right. And I worked afternoon drive on AM 1170. Got moved to KVOO FM and worked 7 to midnight there. So this is like 89 is when I started at KVOO AM. And then I think it was 91 that I switched to the FM side. Okay. And was there until I moved to Nashville in October of 93. 93. Okay. So take me to Nashville in 1993. We'll come back to KVOO. Okay. Um, You know, 90s country was, um, you know, you had the 80s country and then you had 90s country. And so it was starting to go to that newfangled country at that point, right, you know, right. and, and, and there were so many new people out. Right. Um, and, and still putting out pretty good music. I mean, right. as far as, you know, country music. Right. Um, tell me what that atmosphere was like coming from the radio side of things. Right. And more into the music business side of things. Well, uh, that transition kind of happened as an as an invitation. There was a show on uh, the, the old Nashville network called Be a Star. Mm-hmm. And the producer of that show, uh, I had sent in my stuff, and he wrote me back. And, and uh, he said, I noticed the material you sent in was original songs that you had written. And I said, yes, I did a session there in Tulsa. And um, he said, I tell you what I want you to do. He said... He goes, I don't want you to be on Be A Star. He said, I want you to be on this new show that I've got called Country Today. Ah. And it was hosted by Rob Weller, who had been with Entertainment Tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like one of, I think I was the first musical guest on there. And I can remember Vince Gill's, at the time, wife Janice and her sister, they were sweethearts of the road. Radio, yeah. They did a cooking segment on that show. And uh, man, I, the funniest thing I can remember from that was being so used to radio and our tight segues, mm-hmm. television, you can't do that. Right. You know, when I hear the music fading, you know, I'm, I'm start, I start talking and they had to stop me and yeah. I go, we have to do that again. Please don't do that again. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, please wait. So, yeah, yeah I'm like, okay, gotcha, wow. you know. So, but I had just a, a, a fun time and that was, I, I ended up on that in March of 94. So, you know, I thought I was well on my way to being the next Elvis at that right. point. I mean, when, you know, from, from being in Tulsa in October to here I am, you yeah. know, but it, it, you know, it's just, it was a very tough business, Rick, you know, as you, I'm not telling you any secrets, you've mm-hmm. been down there, you know, Yeah. but I would suggest if anybody wants to do that, you've got to go down there and wrestle the bear. You, mm-hmm. It's, it's so hard to do that remotely. And that's one yeah. of the things my dad told me back then. He said, if you want to do this, you got to go down there. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you know, I said, well, dad, I'm ready, but 
gosh. I yeah. got yeah. You got, thought you were ready. Yeah, I got kicked yeah. in the head right off the bat. Right. You know? right. So, but yeah. a lot of cool things happened. I mean, I went to Poland and a, a lot of just meeting wonderful people. And, you know, then that ended up, you know, to where I got a Dove Award in, in the bluegrass gospel industry. And, and that opened up a whole other wonderful thing, too. Uh, on a side note, just so you're aware, uh, Kristen is Janice's sister's name, mm-hmm. Kristen Arnold. We met uh, in Ada when they did a show uh, at Ken Lance Sports Arena. Oh, okay. And I was kind of their babysitter for, mm-hmm. the, for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, they were coming in for a rodeo, and they were going to do a show, and then they had a club there. Right. And um, she uh, tried her best to get me to go on the road with her. That was one of my only oh, wow. real claims to fame. Right. She kept... She's like, I really enjoy your company. You should yeah. come on the road with me. Yeah. And uh, then it wasn't very long after that that um, uh, they announced, you know, uh, Vince and, mm-hmm. and they split and, you know, and that kind of thing. And they went their own way. But I thought that was, that's kind of my only, uh, right. the Sweethearts of the Rodeo. That's right. my only Well, that's touch very there. cool. That's man. Well, they, they were a lot of fun. I can remember yeah. that doing the show with them. They were just hilarious, had great senses of humor, you know, were a blast to work with. Yeah. Let's head back to KBOO real quick. All right, uh, you, okay. you, we we kind of jumped ahead there right. a little bit, but um, so at KBOO, when um, you were hired, uh, were you hired by Billy? Yes. At that point, okay. Uh-huh. So he was program director still then, or was he operations? He was still program okay. director, and I believe Mike Wilson was his music director. Yeah. Now he he went on to Curb Records, right? He when, went to RCA, RCA first. first I, right. He hired, and I think actually Mike was the one that had the dinner with me. At the uh, what's that? The celebrity celebrity club there. Celebrity club. Yeah. Thank you, 31st sir. Thirty first in Yale. That's where he hired me. The old know? the old mob restaurant. Yes. That's what I always called it. Yeah. Now, <laughs> in reality, it probably has no mob ties. Right. But it always felt that way because right. the inside had all the corner rounded booths. Right. Uh, the red velvet. Right. I mean, so you know, you walk in and I fully expected always to see like crime bosses in the corner of that room. Right. You know, holding court and <laughs> and waiting for somebody. You know, the rival. You know, mob right. to come in and shoot up the place because right. that's what I always felt like when I was like an there. episode but, of Wise Guy yes, or something right yes. yeah yep. <laughs> sit down have some food you know now the thing is is that there I'm not even saying that please don't even take that, that right. I'm saying that there was any mob ties but it just felt that way yes but, very cool atmosphere yeah. if you want that experience like you fully yes. expected like Frank Sinatra to walk out right. of the kitchen you know, everybody having a good time yeah. you know kind or of Don Rickles to come out and razz you, you know? <laughs> right yeah yeah to, to roast me right there that's right, right. Yes. that's right that's okay right. so but, he, but Mike Wilson, yes, he was the one, and 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 basically, then Mike was gone like thirty days later. You know, like what? Where'd he go? You know, but and he was he was on the FM side back then. We were very separated. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember any of that. That, yeah. that, that culture was still there. Sure. But man, it was you know if you were you know AM eleven seventy big country, you were that's where you were. Right. And if you were over here on the KVOO FM side, which back then it was like I think KCFO still they hadn't mm-hmm. switched the call letters yet. We were two different camps, and Mike Wilson was over in that camp, so I didn't see much of him. You know, I I answered directly to Billy, you know, much to Billy's chagrin. (laughs) Billy, God bless him. The the wrestling matches that he had with me and Chuck Stevens are legendary, you know, uh, because we were snot-nosed kids and full of ourselves, and I don't know how he put up with us, you know. So he was just like, is here. He already had two boys at home, and here he had to raise us too, you know, right. in the halls yeah. of that place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His whole philosophy was, you know, yeah, oh, great. I, yeah. I get rid of two yahoos, and here comes two more. Oh, I, gotta, I know right? it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, with with Chuck, I will never forget because Chuck loved playing softball mm. and uh, was always in Sky Took on teams and stuff like that. And I can remember Billy calling him one time and going, Chuck. 
you need to put that bat and ball down and get your behind to work. You know? so, <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, yeah. We, you know, Chuck and I always laugh about our Billy stories because he just, you know, and, and love him to death because he did teach us so much, yeah. you know. And it's all about just having common sense, Rick, mm-hmm. you know, in, in everything in life. And he's just one of those mentors that injected that, you know, yeah. like, you know, that from when yeah. you're around him, he just, he's a common sense dude, you know? And you know, when, um, I, I had interviewed, uh, Toby Duffy, Toby Scott, mm-hmm. and then, uh, also had Eric Wayne on right. and he said the same thing. And that is that, that um, and, and, and I'm sure that people probably that listen to the show on a consistent basis are probably going to get tired of hearing it, but it's the truth. He taught me the, the biggest thing he taught me in life was to treat people like they're a million bucks. Right. When you're talking to that person only, right. that's all you talk to. Right. You're not looking towards the next person you're looking right. at. You're not looking past them to try to see who else is in line to talk right. to you or whatever. That's that's your sole purpose is right. to concentrate on those people. And and that's still, even to this day, mm-hmm. um, that advice has stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, I, I think of that every time. You know, these, these folks that are coming up and talking to you or whatever are who put you there. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that, that goes with the radio business, but then that also goes with just personal. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, listen to what they're saying, right. you know, don't try to talk over them to listen to what they're saying. And that's right. ultimately that, that's probably the biggest thing, you know, that he, that he did. And, and the fact that, you know, he was known so much more, you know, in Nashville and things right. like that. And, and then, you know, you come back here and on occasion people, you know, who's Billy Parker, mm-hmm. but you're like, what are you? What? I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, just weird to me to even think that, you know, what are you talking about? I mean, he's Billy. I mean, it's Billy Parker, you know? Right. So I love the man to death and, and, uh, and I can hear him. I can hear him making that call now to, oh, to Chuck. Yeah. Hoss, listen, you're going to yeah. have to get in here. Yeah. You, know? you put yeah. that bat and ball yeah. down. Yeah. I'll never forget I can hear that. It. But, you know, Rick, I mean, I've known Billy since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Billy used to have a television show on KVOO television, which mm-hmm. was Channel 2 That's back right. then. Channel 2, yep. And uh, mm-hmm. it was I, was, I remember it was sponsored by, I think, a furniture company and Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Mm-hmm. And Dad was a, a frequent guest on there. And I was just, you know, enamored with Billy insisted that my mom give me a billy parker haircut <laughs> so there are little old baby pictures of me and i've got right. billy's haircut from back then well i'll tell you what that's so, not lie. i'm sure that was probably po- pretty popular yeah. i mean you know the thing is is you know if you look at some of those old pictures boy he's a he's a good looking man oh too, i you know? know yeah now speaking of that i mean you know and i'm sure you're you're i'm sure your dad will be interested to know that i segued with good looking man but um you know he he was a he's a star well, I mean, yeah, dad, you know, your I, dad, Rodney Lay. Oh my goodness. He, you know, I, you know, Rick, it's one of those things that, um, dad, and we always laugh about this because he always says, well, Rod, I was an almost star, you know, right. <laughs> and because, and he'll, he'll tell you all his stories because they're very, very fascinating, but, uh, he's just one of those guys that has always had great favor on him. When mm-hmm. you speak of terms of, of a Christian sure. favor, the man has had that all that he's, and, and his power of retention amazes me. He knows stories and can keep them all. And jokes, he keeps them all. Yeah. And people, he remembers. And he just, it's, it's, I don't know how God blessed him with all that. You know, we always laugh about this. If, if I had had his looks or he had had my voice, you know, he, it was one of those things where we always, when we're together, we just talk about stuff like that mm-hmm. and laugh, you know. But I, but it, it was a blessing being raised by him. Uh, 
very stern disciplinarian, right. but, but taught me that early on so I wouldn't be a goofball. Like right. the, one of the very first things that, that happened in my little old career was there was a, a, a restaurant named Egbert's. Mm-hmm. And Egbert's was around Coffeeville, Bartlesville, and this kind of thing. And uh, they came to my dad and said, we want you know a new jingle for the company, but we want to do this. We want you to write one, and the, the head of the company is going to write one, and then the board will choose the best. And he said, well, how about if my son also writes one? So I wrote one too, and they picked mine. Mm. And so, but anyway, so dad was going into the studio to record this thing. And he, unbeknownst to me, he wants me to go play guitar on it. And I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like 16 years old at the time, right. scared to death. But I, and he was, and he, and he corrected me and just would always say, you can do better. You can, you know, all that. And he just, mm-hmm. it, and it turned out nice, but those things never leave you. It's, it's far, as far as don't settle for good. Yeah. Settle for what you know is your best. Right. You know, then, then, then you can let go of it. If it's right. your best, you let go of it. And I've just, I've just taken that with everything that I've ever done in life, whether it's, you know, mowing the yard or being a, a husband or whatever right. it is, you know, being a friend, right. you, 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 you know, you owe that to yourself. Cause at the end of the, of your, of your days on this earth, you don't want to look back with regret, yeah. you know? And, yeah. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. You know, his advice of, uh, you've got to live it. You got to live, you know, right. you got to be there and be a part of that, you know, right. in Nashville and things like that. So when you, uh, made that move and you, uh, were on the TV show, right. you know, so now you're out of radio at this point right. and you're on the other side of the right. mic. Now. Right. What was your next path? I mean, I know that you're a very good songwriter. Well, that was um, the main thing that was, then I went into writing songs, um, like from 10 AM until one. And then you take a lunch break and then you write two until five. And I did that primarily mm-hmm. at night. Then I would go into a lot of studios and I got hired to do vocals mm. and I could stack my own background vocals. So therefore I was cheap. You didn't have to hire extra people. Right. So I just would go in there and just ding, 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 and stack them up and leave, you know? And, uh, that's kind of what kept me afloat, you know, at that time. And then my ex-wife worked as well. So mm. we just kind of did that as a, as a team effort. And, uh, then, you know, lo and behold, the songwriting thing did take off. That was a deal where I, I in, in the little town I lived in was Hendersonville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. met a gentleman there named Mike Richards and Mike had a, a, a music store, used music store in town. And we got to talking and he's like, well, I know your dad. I've, I've had some of his albums before. And, uh, he said, do you write? And I said, well, yeah. And da, da, da. So we, we sat down and, and, and decided to write. And the first five songs that we wrote got cut, mm. you know, and one of those was He Still Looks Over Me, which was the Devil Wears right. song. Then that took, that opened a whole door to something that I never, ever in my life saw coming. And that was being, you know, founding a, a bluegrass band with mm-hmm. Mike called the Chigger Hill Boys and Terry. And uh, gosh, Rick, I mean, the, the most rewarding thing of, of all of that was um, as a songwriter, sometimes you'll get on Google and uh, you will Google your song to see if somebody has recorded this thing, and they're not paying you. Right. <laughs> you know, because right. yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, policing it's, that stuff. is That's a horrible side of the business, it honestly. Is. It, it, it really should be so it, much better than it is. Yeah, and it's just, but it's been that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, But in, in that process, found a story, and this gentleman was in a quartet, a gospel quartet. He was driving home from a show that he had done. And there was another gentleman that was his neighbor, and they were happened to be on the same country road heading home. Well, this older gentleman from the quartet had a wreck, went off the road. The guy behind him was a drummer in another band. He's he's the guy that pulls that man from the fire. The uh, 
reporter asked the, the older gentleman, she said, well, what was going through your mind while he was pulling you from the fire? And he said, the words to my favorite song. He said, he sends angels to watch over my family. Sometimes I overlook him, but he still looks over me. And I was like, wow, wow that's, yeah. that's what this is about. Yeah. It's not about right. me and my stupid songwriter nonsense. It is about being a vessel for God. Yeah and letting him use me and get these things out to where they bless people. Wow. And that's, I, you know, right there, I was like, now I know what this is, you yeah. know. Um, and it totally changed wow. my I've life. I've never heard that story before, Rod. It we've was, been friends a long time, yeah. and I've never heard that. That, it's, is, it's just that is amazing. Well, I boohooed like a kid. You know, yeah, I was like, golly, Lord. I am, I, I'm almost right now. Well, I was just like, so. I, I'm, and I just was like, and, and guilt washed over. I was like, I'm so sorry that I've never seen this and now it's hit me in the face and i'm like man i feel like a bum you know yeah. I, I never knew wow. yeah. that's what i'm here for so that rick that's what i'm here for yeah. you know yeah. and um and those songs that like that song has been recorded now over 100 times wow. and it's just one of those things that it's in some hymnals and churches i've seen videos on youtube and there's these ladies in a, in a congregation and they're singing it out of their hymnal i'm like my gosh, you know, it, it took on a life that I never imagined. Right. You know? Well, and I, I make sure I wrote this down because I posted this on Facebook. And this is one of those things that, that I didn't want to forget because on the night of the Dove Awards, and, and I will tell you this, let me tell you about that song. It's a fascinating story. Mike Richards was working for Daywind, the, the gospel label. Right. Brought them this song, and the guy that was the head of publishing listened to it, and he said, well, Mike, that song will never get recorded because it is an admission of guilt. Because it's, you know, it's, it's basically all about how everyone has sinned and fallen short. Right. You know, that's the, the crux of the song. Um, so the guy took the thing and threw it in a box with, and there was a hundred other tapes in the right. box. Yeah. Then in, uh, the, he got replaced by a guy named Marty Funderburk. Marty Funderburk goes through that box and finds that song and goes to Mike and said, I think that's a monster hit. And I want to cut that on the Lewis family. And they were, you know, a stalwarts of, right, of the, sure. you know, of the industry. And they they recorded that. It ended up being the biggest song of their career. And we got the word. It got nominated for a Dove Award, and it was like in the top fifty. So we were like, well, that's cool. We're you know excited. Then it made the top twenty. Then it made the top ten, and then nice. it got in the top five. And we're like, well, we've got to go. So yeah. we went and got you know new clothes and blah blah blah, and went down there. And I'll remember sitting, you know, next to my, my, my wife at the time and, um, they're announcing our names and, uh, I had the little program from the show in my lap and she took that program from me and she's all your name. Boom. There it was. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I'm not sitting next to Mike Richards, you know, my co-writer, mm -hmm. but we met each other in the aisle going up there and he go, and he yells, can you freaking believe this? Uh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Michael, oh, hold you on, know? hold on. And he's, he's like, Rodney, we're goofballs. How did this happen? <laughs> and it just was surreal. You know, yeah. it just was something that, because I mean, we, we beat, uh, uh, Allison Krauss, Doyle Lawson, you know, right. Ricky's Skaggs. I'm like, yeah, how, huge. how in the, yeah, yeah, it was David and Goliath's story, right. you know, again, it was just God. There was, there's yeah. no other explanation for it, yeah. you know? Totally, God, and it's just, you know, you get out of the way and let him do his thing, and he'll do things that you can't imagine, right. you know. You know, we always think we have it under control, but if you step away and let, you know, it was God-breathed, and, and that was the That's thing. It. I mean, you know, and, and that I think that also is probably the difference uh, with uh, 
uh, when uh, he took over and, you know, he listened to it with different ears, you know, right. I mean, and so, you know, he knew, you know, it was a hit. And and that's also, I think, uh, part of that, you know, the whole goofballs thing, you mm-hmm. know, you know, you feel like you're a goofball. Oh, but, yeah. But, you know, but God's using you. Right. Uh, in ways that you never thought that you would be used, no, you know, that not, way. Had, had no idea. Yeah. You know, I wow. went down there to be the next Elvis. Right. Didn't happen. Yeah, that's okay. Right, you know? right. I, I, you know, I, I like I said, I, I live with no regret about it because I went down there, I rang the bell, and I think maybe in in my going back to my dad's advice, that was the most important thing was I, I didn't want to be a guy in a rest home going, man, if I had only only it went to Nashville or if yeah. I had only given it a try, only given it a try, just play, you know, my guitar in Kansas or my whole right. life or whatever, you know, if you have that dream. If you're listening and and you're you think you're the next star, you've been told you're the next star. Right. By all means, go for it. Mm-hmm. But you have to be all in. Right. You, you cannot do. be halfway. Well, I'll try it. No, you have to be in there because you're constantly having to sell yourself. Right. You're constantly having to talk yourself up. Right. And that's that's kind of where that that ego thing comes from. Right. I mean, you know, I know that even in radio, I was not always the best on air personality. But I did win two day parts yeah. consistently. There you go. And so, you know, and it, it was just because whatever was said or my attitude, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was advice from Billy, but I recognized early on that he had the experience and oh, the yeah. and, and that to be giving advice, mm-hmm. you better listen to that advice. Right. You know, I didn't have my dad around. Right. Um, you know, my dad came late to the party with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really get along very well towards the end of his life. We did. And he moved back. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that was funny was that, um, you know, when I went to visit him, uh, the nurses had said, uh, you know, well, he's really had a bad day mm-hmm. and i was like oh what do you mean has it been real bad you know has he been unconscious no but he's been laughing to himself all day and it's kind of weird and mm-hmm. and just so you're aware when they get to the end of the life they mm-hmm. that happens and so you know honestly what it was was he had listened to my show and he had never been in the tulsa area to listen to me on the radio oh, wow man. and i had had, had reba mcintyre on yeah uh, and was doing it, a phone interview with her, and he thought it was so funny because we ended it. My name on the air was Big Daddy Stevens, and mm-hmm. so we. I said, well, you know, I love you, Reba, mm-hmm. and I said, I remember thinking myself off air, oh, my gosh, I just said I love you to Reba McIntyre. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and then, but for her to respond back, you know, right. I love you too, Big Daddy. Yeah. That tickled him because oh, number one, yeah. you know, next to Jeannie C. Riley, yeah. uh, that was his his gal, yeah. And so he just thought that was the funniest thing. And I remember he never cursed in his life, right. but he did that day, and that was the "You are one funny son of a gun." <laughs> <laughs> hey, when we come back, we will dive into the personal life of Rodney Lay Jr. Plus, we'll talk about the time he and I wrote a song together, and. Hang on, because Rodney is going to step up on the behind the mic stage and sing his hit song he wrote with Mike Richards, He Still Looks Over Me. All this and more when we return. You're listening to the Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton podcast. 
I'm Mo. And I'm Sheila Joe. And, and we're, we're Mojo Mo Merchandise. Mojo Merchandise was created by two friends with a craft passion. We love to make things as gifts, like baby shower presents, wedding shower presents, party decorations, and balloon bouquets. There is nothing we can't do once we put our mind to it. We specialize in vinyl printed t-shirts, home decor signs, pillowcases, cups, and much more. If you have a favorite scripture or a mom saying you want on a t-shirt or sign, we've got you covered. If you have an idea or needing a gift, let Mojo Merchandise make exactly what you need. Hey, I want to thank Mojo Merchandise for sponsoring Behind the Mic Podcast. And they've come up with a great design for a lot of organizations. And they could do the same for you as well. You can find them on Facebook. Just look up Mojo Merchandise. And we've partnered to give you an opportunity to actually win something. I'm going to give you a chance to win a $20 gift certificate. All you have to do is email me at btmrickhampton at gmail.com. That's btmrickhampton at gmail.com. Or go to the Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton Facebook page and click on the Send Message button. Be sure to include your name, city you live in, and best way to contact you. Then all the work is done. All you have to do is listen to Behind the Mic, and you could be a big winner. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. We're back talking with my special guest, Rodney Lay Jr. And before the break, we told a few stories about radio and music industry. But there is a personal side to you, Rod, and I've always thought you were an extremely talented individual. I, I think you have a great singing voice, and I do think you have a great talent for songwriting. Thank you, Rick. Um, and then, uh, but more importantly than that, um, you have taken that. I can see your parents' influence in your life. Right. I can see Billy's influence in your life right. because for you, it is about people. Right. You genuinely care for people. Right. I mean, we all have those people that we're like, uh, uh, you see them coming down the hall and you think that, but Jesus you know what? had those people too. Exactly. Remember? Like, I That's pull, right. Guys, I got to pull away. Yeah. You remember? Hey, listen, I got to deal with the Pharisees. Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah. you know, so I need, I need time to myself. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, he only went to the mountain. Right. But for you, I think that that's one of the things when I first met you, that was probably one of the things that I noticed right away was your genuine care for people. And uh, listening and, and and listening to them, you know, I went through that time period. Um, right. I was married before and, right. you know, matter of fact, I mean, you and I, uh, I'm going to just tell the quick story of that is we wrote a song together. We did, yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, it didn't go anywhere, but, you know, honestly, uh, that falls back to that whole thing of God. It does. Uh, God was trying to heal my heart. Right. And he was trying to... Uh, speak life into me i had gotten out of church and i really wasn't going to church anymore and things like that and i was only going for the motions of Mm -hmm. it and so uh i remember when i talked to you you were like well how are you doing Mm -hmm. and i'm like well you know it's been tough she you know left Mm -hmm. and we're you know getting divorced and the circumstances behind that were just crazy but i said uh i said yeah i'm doing all right and you're like well that's good you know and and we'd kind of been hanging out and talking a little bit in the studio and i remember and you were like, well, you know, how are you coping with it? And I mm-hmm. said, well, I said, you know, I'm just kind of, uh, kind of purging the house of, you know, anything that maybe was left behind. Right. And I said, honestly, I've just got this little box over here, and mm-hmm. and you know, if I find anything, I just throw it in that little box. Mm-hmm. You never once said, dude, is that really healthy? I mean, are you doing? I mean, mm-hmm. is that really right? Should mm-hmm. you be doing that? I mean, that's to me, it's time to just pick up and move on. Right. But you never said that. And you just, but you did say, you know, huh, well, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And I was about to walk out the door and you you said, when are you going to know when's enough's enough? Mm -hmm. Are you going to just forever 
put mm-hmm. stuff in this box mm-hmm. or what? Right. And I said, you know what, Rodney, I don't know. And I remember I kind of got a little agitated at you because right. I was like, I want to waller in this self-pity for a while, sure. and you're trying to pull me out of this. Right. And, you know, I recognized that. Yeah. But as I walked out the door, I kind of just flippantly said, I don't know when the box is full, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I left. Yeah. And I remember I got about two steps into the newsroom, which was right behind that studio where you were at. Yeah. And I come walking back down that little short hallway, and I opened up the door, and you were like... It's all right. I'll meet you at your house. I've got my guitar. I'll bring my recorder. We're writing a song tonight. Well, it was. It was like, And that was really it. I mean, it was like, oh, my gosh. And that's kind of the the title of the song was When the Box is Full. I sit all alone looking at our life, trying to make pieces fit, going through things that you've left behind, knowing that this is it. Well, there's a little piece of it right there. When the box is full was taken from a demo recording in my living room in about 2007. You know, it was never meant to be a blockbuster song. Never was ever actually released to any country music artist. And it was never number one on the chart. It was more of a therapy song, you know, so it, it didn't really do anything. I will say this, you know, I'm here to attest that is a fantastic song. It is for a, a specific purpose, yeah. which is, a like you said, it's a healing process. And I'm sure... It's not only for men. It's it, it's I'm sure women have done the same thing mm-hmm. of putting somebody's belongings in a box to the place where okay, I, that's the last thing I'm sticking in there and then they can come get this or what yeah. I'm setting this outside the door and I'm done, you know. For me, that was one of those things where number number one, it did not only did it do something for me cuz it kind of got me agitated. Right. Which a lot of times music-wise, it, it either touches you mm-hmm. one of several ways. Right. And that is either makes you angry right and then you want to how can i write this Mm -hmm. uh number two it puts you in that love you know mood a lot of songs do sure but this one for me was truly the healing thing it 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 took it to you know what you're right Mm -hmm. uh when is enough enough right you know and and when will i pick up and move on right honestly that's what that song was for me right and and so uh, you know, I I counted it a privilege to write it with you um, just because, well, too, number buddy. one, I had never been through that process. Right. You know, you are a songwriter, so you've been through that process where you guys sit down together. Uh, like if you have a co-writer mm-hmm. and you guys work on something and hammer it out. Right. And I think, you know, I think we wrote it in like 20 minutes. I mean, close, you know, yeah. I mean, and then you were like, well, hey, you know, I think we're there. Let's cut this thing and yeah. do a raw, raw yeah. cut on it. Yeah. It gave me a peek inside the music business and stuff like that because we get caught up in that but songs for me and i know that that's the way it is with you too because we've had several discussions even since about songs like that but how much they come in contact with you and how much they touch you right and 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 i think that's you know i have a i have a piece of artwork that's at home that says you know music is the language the whole world understands right and it doesn't matter what it is Mm mm-hmm if it touches you, it touches you. Right. And, you know, it could be in a in a bad way. It could be mm-hmm. in a good way. But most of the time, I can tell you, and a song comes on the radio, I can tell you pretty much where I was at the first time I heard that song. Sure. 
So, and and I know that you're the same way. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, music plays such a huge part of your life. So, when you came back, uh, when we first met at KBOO, you had been in Nashville. You right. had some of the success, you, right. you know, songwriting and things like that. So, when you came back mm-hmm. to uh, Oklahoma in this area, uh, by that time, the person you were married to then, mm-hmm. you guys had separated right. And, right. and went your separate ways right. and things like that. And so, then you came back to KBOO, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I first met you at. Right. Um, after having all of this experience behind you. Right. Um, so coming back to radio, better for you the second time around? Or did you like, which side did you like the best? Did well, you like the radio side or the music side? I, to be honest with you, they're two totally different things. You know, um, both are, are very creative. You know, in radio, that's one of the things I do miss is you don't have, outside of morning shows, you don't have a lot of creativity. Like mm-hmm. we like when you and I were kids... Right. Man, the whole the whole everyday part of a radio station yeah. was happening. You had Morning Drive, of course, doing its thing, and and the, the middays. There were the midday guy or girl was always a very much of a companion, a very yeah. friendly, you know, soothing voice with you at your lunchtime. The afternoon guy was he or girl was the other like almost almost the zany morning mm-hmm. kind of thing was going on there. And then your seven to midnight person, they had the kids, the yeah. kids that were calling in requesting songs, and you had you were. I mean, cutting and splicing and, and yeah. had contests, right. and it was busy. It was it was a lot of fun to listen to, and I, that's one thing that I do miss about radio. That and it had changed. Yeah, I can remember when I got back and in, in one of my first days on the air at Big Country, and the phones weren't active. Yeah, and they used to ring all the time. Yeah, and so I called Chuck Stevens. You know, Chuck was over at Mix ninety six at the time. I said, Chuck, am, am I doing something wrong? He said. Rodney, no. He said, the thing that's happened is a lot of people think that you are what they call voice tracked, mm-hmm. you know, where it's, you went in and recorded the show, but you're not physically there. He said, the only time they know that you're there is when you have a contest. Mm-hmm. He said, then your phones will be active. He said, but otherwise they don't bother anymore. Yeah. I'm like, man, I just hate that that, yeah. that went away. Yeah, know? I do too. Because, you know, I mean, for the longest time, you know, they started out disc jockeys. That's where DJ came sure, from. Sure, sure. And then they slowly started developing to on-air personalities. Right. Because that was the truth. They right. had a personality. And right. the station wanted you to have that personality. Absolutely. The reason they hired you was because of your zany or you're funny or you're, or you're a great storyteller mm-hmm. or you have great facts. You mm-hmm. know, you do your show prep, as they call right. it. And you would go out and find little tidbits of information about this artist or whatever because that's you know ultimately that is uh that's who i wanted to be too you know i i wanted to do that whenever i was on middays i loved it you know i loved uh that's what uh, billy told you remember that was that he was he set you down go hoss you got to talk to him like they're across the fence and that's it if you got if you have that connection people will stay with you you yeah and and they did you know i mean it was funny because you know i remember I also loved going out, you know, to be honest with you, the funny thing is, is that a lot of radio personalities, mm-hmm. um, everybody assumes, you know, they're the life of the party, they're they're mm-hmm. always zany, they're always joking and everything else. Right. But in reality, you know what, you're on stage, really, when you're right. doing that kind of thing. Right. And so when you don't have to be on stage, you right. just want to blend into the background. Right. And I know a lot of on-air guys that mm-hmm. are like that and gals that mm-hmm. are like that, mm-hmm. who, you know, if they go to a party, they just want to sit in the background. They don't want to talk. They don't want to be, you know. And there's always that one person, you know, hey, come up here and tell us a funny joke. You right. know, tell us something funny. Right. But for the most part, you know, they don't do that. They, no. they love to blend into the background. And that's kind of the way I was, too, uh, growing up even. 
I will get up and tell a story if I'm asked because, sure. you know, it's just what I did. You know right. what I mean? And you get to that point where you're, you feel like you're always on stage. Right. And I know that, um, you know, a lot of the times, um, that's probably the thing I loved the most was the on air creativity part of it. Right. And being able to have that ability, I'm glad that I was in at least part of those days. Right. Being able to do that because that's what I love. I love connecting with the audience. I love talking to the audience. I love working the phone. Sure. I loved doing that kind of stuff, but then um, I also loved being out mm-hmm. in, in public, right, um, right. Uh, getting you know using that advice that Billy had given sure, me. Sure, absolutely. Ago, because that that was probably my best part. I I told a story. I'd been out of radio. Uh, it was probably it was 2007 because I got out in 2007. But I remember uh, going to a show mm-hmm. at the uh, Ford Center. It was still the Ford Center before they changed it to the Chesapeake. I, I remember going to the show. I'd been off the air. Well, by that time, because I was doing program director, I had been off the air for probably a year. Every once in a while, if somebody was on vacation, I would step in and do right. the show. But I did it the same way. I tracked right. it. I just right. recorded it so I'd be free during the day to do right. other things. And so, you know, nobody could talk to me. Nobody could, you know, sure. you know, call me on the phone unless we were doing a contest. And right. so I remember uh, I was walking along the concourse mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City there at the Ford Center. By this point... Not only was I off the air, but I was actually out of radio. But I was uh, walking along, didn't have any kind of Big Daddy shirts, which I wore all the time back then. Sure. That was my name. And I was endorsed uh, by Big Daddy Clothing. And so Mm -hmm. I heard my name. Right. Hey, Big Daddy. You know, Mm -hmm. and I turned around and it was a listener from Tulsa. Wow. And I just turned around and they were like, man, I haven't seen you in forever. And they came, I mean, gave me a big old hug like we yeah. were family. And in yeah. reality, we were. Right. I mean, those people became family to me. Sure. And, and vice versa. You know, I mean, I was in their house. They invited me into their car, their <laughs> house right. or wherever. Yep. And so that's the connection and that's the tie. And that's right. ultimately, that's what I thought, man, you know what? Here I am feeling sorry for myself. Oh, I'm not in radio anymore, and I loved it, and I wished I'd be back, and I wish somebody would recognize me, yeah. you know, whatever. And then it happens, you know, yeah. and then it's that God wink of, yeah, you know yeah. what, I'm going to put this guy here. But right. it was really cool because, you know, I got to talk to him, and I, and I used to talk to him on the request line all the time, you know, right. and so I'm, and I knew him by sight too, and right. that was the thing, right. you know. Right. So um, to me, that was probably for radio wise. That was probably my favorite memory mm-hmm. was listeners. Sure. Um, you know, we always had the crazy listeners, you know, the right. ones that were nuts or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, the listener appreciation shows and things like that sure. and, and different things and KVO family picnic. And there was always at least one family that had like possum stew in a trash can, oh, yeah. you know, and, oh, they, yeah. and they'd always want you to sit down with them and, and sure. eat and, you, you know. For me, I'd always have to, oh, you know, I'm oh, yeah. I'm full. Yeah. I just had a little bite. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'll sit and talk with you if you yeah. like. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm it. not eating anything out of a trash no. can. Sorry. No. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, those were probably some of my favorite memories. You Absolutely. know, the stories like that. If you could just list one, and it doesn't have to be with KBOO. Okay. Any of your radio career, what's your favorite listener story? Rick, I, I, I'd have to go back almost to KIND because okay. – I was so involved in the community. It was a smaller town, and you, you know, because you knew that your sure. first radio was that way too. They used to have this thing. It was every year they have Niwala, which is Halloween backwards, and it's a big celebration up there. And they have like these races where they get in uh, bed racks and push each other down the street. Oh, right. Well, I there is a whole group of strange folks I didn't know, you know, and they said, "Well, hop on our bed, Rodney," and I hopped on there and went down <laughs> this thing, and man, we crashed into parking meters and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> 
And I just had the time of my life doing that kind of thing. So if anything, it's like you said, it's being just out there and doing stuff with folks. That's just zany, you know? Um, and I love that kind of thing. Have you had any bloopers or radio fails you could tell us about? One that stands out is I'll go back to B93, which is a station that no longer exists, so I can say now, terrible B93, things. So. Now, B93, now that was, was, that was that in Austin. Shades? Yeah, that was Shade Stevens, Stevens on yes. Austin's Hottest Hits, B93. And I talked like that, you know. Yep. So... And they encouraged that. Oh, it had to. Yeah. And it was just, you know, bang, 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 bang. Which I try to give a little inside information. That's called puking in the business, it, it by was. the way, because that's what it sounds like. Right. You're really trying to talk about right. it. Yeah. And okay. we had to read liner cards, mm-hmm. which is just the, the your average when people listen to radio. And you go, why do they keep saying the same thing over and over and over like once an hour? That's called a liner card. Right. <laughs> and they have to read that. Yep. So it was that kind of thing. But but going back to them, I told you that they had they provided us limo service. And I can remember I, I was hosting this artist at a club. And it was a girl named Brenda K. Starr. Mm. Okay. Yep. I know the name. She had like one hit. Right. But her background, one of her background singers was Mariah Carey. Wow. So I remember meeting her when she was a you know, little kid, mm-hmm. you know, basically. But uh, then at this club, of course, you know, I, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but I had I touched a few things that weren't water. Uh-huh. You know? Yes, yes. That had a little power Adult in it. beverage. Adult beverages. Yes. Thank uh-huh. you, sir. And had to go back. And I at that time, I was working overnight, midnight to 530. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, I passed out. <laughs> I, I, no. I had went to our GM's <laughs> office because she kept the door open and she had a big cushy chair. And I'm like, man, I'm tired. I know if I just sit in this chair, I'll be all right. I sat down in that chair and just passed out. And I was out for 10 minutes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 10 minutes of dead air and nobody caught it oh, thank wow. god because our morning man he was married to the program director and he was right he gets up at 3 30 so this happened between 3 and 3 10 oh my goodness so, but I, I would just think uh, okay that can never happen again right. that's the most unprofessional thing in the right. world but again when you're in your early 20s and you're stupid you do things right. that you just go how on earth did i live yeah because dead air is like the enemy when oh, you're on, on, on the radio you know i even still to this day driving down the road if something happens to a piece of equipment or something that i don't know about right i'm looking at the radio going hello oh, hello yeah. come yeah. on hello you know what's going on Mine, it was actually when I worked in Ada, at KADA in mm-hmm. Ada, Oklahoma. Small town, they have trading posts, uh-huh. kind of a tradio thing, where people in the in that market, in that city or whatever, could yeah. call in. They had a couple of things, you know, right. items to sell, right. and then to give you a phone number, and then sure. you pass it on. Ours was cut into three segments, five-minute pieces. And so it was from 6 to 6.15. Mm-hmm. So we would do five minutes and then take a break play the sponsor ad five minutes take a break and then we'd end it up for some reason every time i would get to that first segment break i would always say it the same way so you always wrap it up you know you would say okay well that's the last call we're going to take we're going to take a break when we come back right. with more of your phone calls that you know and then give the number you know for them to call right. in or whatever well i had this crutch phrase that i fell back on mm-hmm. my phrase and i got to be careful even to say it now but my phrase was always well that'll do it for the first part of trading post mm-hmm. we'll be back with more calls after this word from a courtney corner drug or whatever mm-hmm. right and i'd play the ad and then right. you come back inevitably i would always transpose two of those letters 
And so it always came out. That'll do it for the first fart oh, of no. Trading Post. Yeah. Every time. Rodney, it got to the point where I had to actually write a card and set it in front of me. And I did that show for, I don't know how long, a long time, months and months wow. and months. I hosted that show. And I still would catch myself, well, that'll do it for the first fart of, you know. <laughs> and I remember my program director, Rick Cody, called one and he goes, uh, did you just say first fart? Yeah. What is a pursed fart? Right. Can you tell me what that is? Yes. Like, no, Cody, I can't tell you what it is, but I appreciate you calling me on the hotline and wow. calling me out on it because there was actually a listener or two on occasion that would actually say that, you know, like, wow. you know, I was listening to you last night and, you know, love the, you know, you got to be careful of those pursed farts. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and those small stations like that, one of the things that I'm sure you guys did was reading obituaries. Mm, yes. And one of my parting gifts to the gentleman that owned KIND, which was <laughs> Mr. Mr. Rupard, J. Nelson Rupard. Uh, he looked a lot like the little man from the, the, uh, the cartoon Up, that mm-hmm. movie. Okay, yeah. look, just kind of like that guy. One of the nicest men in the world. He trained Bill Curtis. Bill Curtis had worked wow. as a young man. So, and Bill kind of sounds like Nelson. Uh, Nelson, every in the noon hour uh, news time, he would read the obituaries. He had this piece on piano called Liebestrom, written by Chopin. Real mm-hmm. beautiful piano piece. But oddly enough, Spike Jones, the guy that did all those comedy records in mm-hmm. the 40s, did a comedy version of that, which also starts out beautiful <laughs> piano, then goes into this, you know, wild crunch, crack, crack. And I can remember to this day, because one time I had to, you know, cover for Nelson. Well, I guess on occasion I had to cover for Nelson on that. And and the, the intro under this, this piano, over this piano music was the individual mausoleum company of Parsons presents now Requiem, a pause in the day's activities to pay tribute to memories of loved ones passed on. Then you would read Elsie Johnson of Elk City, you know, all that. Not so. Anyway, there's I, I, so I'm driving around and I'm, I hear Nelson and I have done this and he's, he's and he's up to like the third person, you know, Betty Sue Schwigard, seventy five, crunch, correct, <laughs> boom, you know, and he's just oh my, oh my God, man. You know? <laughs> and trying to and his carts all fall over and his uh, carts yeah, stack and he's right. trying to make noise uh, i just you know god bless him rest his soul i know he you know he hates me for that but i you know had to come clean that i, I <laughs> did that to my former owner so <laughs> there was times when you wish that the listeners could see behind the scenes oh yeah and, and uh you know when i first started in in ada even the things that you saw on like wkrp which right. is one of the reasons why i went into radio Me too, yep. um but they were pretty accurate i mean right. as far as you know you could point around the radio station and go oh yeah that's herb tarlick oh right. yeah that's johnny fever that's right. you know but i remember there was so much funny stuff that happened out of that and i don't know who it is mm-hmm. i mean you might but i think it was at k107 one of the um you talked about carts mm-hmm. and what most people don't know carts are uh what you put commercials and stuff on nowadays mm-hmm. it's on computer oh, and yeah. it's all digitized and everything else but before it was um you played them on carts and they look like a little eight track I mean, yeah, like an eight track tape is yep. what they kind of look like. And so you would put all of the elements, uh, things you heard between the songs, right. um, everything on there. And then ultimately we, you know, we were putting songs on the cards too, sure. you know, but they also act like tape does. And mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know what tape is, Google it, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, cause I'm, I am fortunate and I love growing up in that right. time area sure. of, of cutting tape and splicing oh, stuff yeah. together and everything else. One of the things though, that it, you know, if you know any, Anything about that? It's called degaussing, which means when you put the tape on a magnet, mm-hmm. a very high-powered magnet, it erases that information. Yep. 
changes the structure of the tape and mm-hmm. it, you know gets rid of that that's how we would you know we had bulk erasers in the uh in the studios and when we got ready to record something on a cartridge tape like that we would run it over that eraser mm-hmm. erase whatever was on it before re- record over it and i remember uh the story and i don't know who it is um uh, so if you listen to this and you either work there or you knew who it was or maybe you were the person, um, <laughs> you know, they, they had walls and walls of those. And they took an extension cord and plugged that bulk eraser, handheld bulk eraser in and just went down the spine oh. of half oh. of the carts on the wall when they were about to leave, like resign uh. from, the, from the station. That's one of those that I always heard. That that was that instance was another reason why when you were when it was time for you to go mm-hmm. uh, and a station said hey uh, when you're done with your show would you come by the office yes, I need to talk to you interview, for a second yes. right yeah I just needed to chat with you a minute yeah you knew that was it right but it was always the you know they got to the point where they didn't even really do that then right. it was just always hey man you got a minute yeah after you've done your show right because of stuff like that happening right. you know of dumping things and you know they Golly. would just you know destroy stuff so of all of your days in the music business or radio right what is one story that sticks out that's a good one Going back to, to uh, the little the Sugar Hill Boys and Terry and going out and playing at churches and things like that. We primarily played around Nashville around about a oh, two or 300-mile radius. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is in Kentucky, and there are real small little towns there that you don't want to be there after dark. Right. You know, and, and I can remember one of the towns we played in, the church said, we're going to send somebody. If you, As you're coming into town, there's a convenience store. We want you to go there and park there. And then if you can, there's a payphone. This is before cell phones. Right. Call us and we'll come get you. And uh, because they wanted to, they wanted to escort us through town to get over there. So because they were way up in the hills where mm-hmm. they didn't see a lot of people. And I can remember going there and and singing all of those people knowing our songs and singing along with us, mm. which was a wild thing, you know. Right. And then afterwards, they had made a homemade. Uh, lunch and stuff which was fried chicken cooked, mm. cooked in cast iron skillets mm-hmm. and oh it was like it was like revisiting the my great grandmothers mm. grandmothers who made wow. that kind of stuff yeah. it was delicious that kind of thing you know and then of course when we were done they escorted us back out yeah. of town, right. you know, wow. we're going to help you out of here just just that kind of thing uh, also uh, one of the, the places that I recorded when I was going to Poland there was a gentleman there named Christoph and his his actual name in Polish is Zistof Krovchik and he is like like the Elvis of Poland. Wow. Somehow or other, through dad or something, I met the producer of this project, and he asked me to come help him, and I ended up co-producing this thing. One of the places we worked was with uh, Willie Mitchell at Royal Recording in Memphis. That is the place where Al Green recorded all of his stuff. Wow. You know, uh, Let's Stay Together, all mm-hmm. that stuff was cut there. And um, I met Reverend Green, because he and Willie were still very, very close. And Rick, it was the phenomenal experience because I sang background vocals on this thing too, and I'm the only white guy there. Mm-hmm. And brother, I learned, learned how to sing from the soul by hanging out with them. They taught me things I had I had no idea of. You know, I'd heard stories of doing scales and things that that um they do in black black music and black gospel especially that you're not really exposed to when you're mm-hmm. a country boy from southeast Kansas. Just phenomenal experience. Going to Poland and singing over there for those people uh, with Kristoff. I was part of this television show, this big tribute to Kristoff. 
and I'm one of the, the guests. I'm the guest American country singer wow. over there. And I, and I can remember he did a polka song and I danced with him on stage jumping up and I had, man, I had severe jet lag and mm-hmm. I was out of my mind worn out. And I go back and watch that video today and I just laugh because I'm a total, you know, goofball yeah. on the thing, you know, but just uh, experiences like that, that I just, you know, uh, I met one of my dear friends is Paul Martin who worked in, he was the lead singer of exile for a yeah, while right. and then worked with Marty Stewart one of the things I did for them was I, I, I did the intro for Marty's show, like it was recorded, and mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, and I did that for him, I did that for Roy, and I did that, I think, for Mel or somebody else, I'll tell us, uh, in years past. Just oddball stuff. Um, LaToya Jackson recorded some of my songs, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson's sister. That. Yeah. My, my big hit, if you want to call it that, in country was a Lee Greenwood song that he ended up cutting. So I, I, I just had such a vast array of weirdness right. in my life that I, it's just, uh, I can't put a finger on, you know, when they say, well, what did you do? Yeah. Everything. You everything know? Right. Everything. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Yeah. I hit the yeah. ball. If it came across the plate, I'm going to, I'm going to take a swing yeah. at it, you know? Right. So, uh, wow. But that's just kind of the, the, the stuff that I remember. Um, as a, as a kid, my, my first job was working at Lay's feed store and I worked there for gosh, five years. I was age 10 until about 15 or so. Then I worked for butcher's grocery store. Then I went to work for TGNY. Then TGNY had a terrible thing. They laid people off and mm-hmm. I was one of 40 people that got laid off in Coffeeville. Mm-hmm. I went to work. My buddy was working for USD 445, the school district as a janitor. And he got me a job there. So, and I can remember being all bummed out that here I am, you know, a year after i graduated high school i'm now mopping the halls mm-hmm. and roy clark called me he said rod your dad told me you're down he said let me tell you something one of the first jobs i had in high school was mopping the floor of a church he said it leads to better bigger and better things mm-hmm. so don't don't forget that I'm yeah like, okay man i'm not, i appreciated him taking sure. the time to do that yeah. you know because he's a busy guy you know it, um one of one of dad's funny stories dealing with that because your dad was on hee-haw for all those years right. and one of his buddies was grandpa jones and roy was scheduled to be on on the opry one night and grandpa jones was there and dad was backstage talking to grandpa this was the first opry appearance of billy ray cyrus mm. billy ray cyrus is on stage singing achy breaky heart <laughs> with his big mullet and hunching around like he you know awkward right. elvis stuff grandpa jones without hesitation just looks up at dad and he goes well rodney I liked Acuff's version better. I can always count on you right? for a story because you've always had some great artist stories and things right. like that, you know, either through your dad or through your own experiences. Right. And I posted recently, I don't know what, what made me think of it, but I was sitting in the car, I was getting out, going into work one day, and Coward of the County was on by Kenny Rogers. Yes. And they get to the line in the song where it talks about, you know, through the whole song, uh, he's the coward of the county, and right. he's you know he's really a milk toast kind of guy, and he does not get upset. And when he does get upset, he just takes it because his dad said, you know, don't be like me and do yeah. that kind of thing. And so uh, I remember through the whole song, and then there's the line where they talk about uh, the girl that he's interested in, that right. he's in love with. She gets taken advantage of by a group of guys, mm-hmm. right? And so he finds out about it. Right. He comes into the bar, and to set the stage, he comes into the bar. They start giving him crap. And so he turns to walk away, uh-huh. and they all assume, 
oh, here he is again. Yeah. Oh, he's the coward. Look at right. him running, going through. Right. And he stops and locks the door. And the line is, you know, you could hurt a pin drop when Tommy stopped and locked the door. Right. For some reason, I don't know why, but it just hit me of, you know, what was going through their mind at that point? You know, right. oh, crap. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> okay, our reign is over. You know, right. what is, you know, what's going on? But more importantly, how would you like to have been in the saloon at that point? Sure. You know, to, on the see wall. The, to, yeah. to see this. Oh, yeah. man, he's, yikes, he's had yeah. enough. So for me, that was, that was funny. Right. And then I remember you jumped on and you told a story and I was like, oh, well, you got to tell this story. So, so take that from that. So you have an actual kind of a backstory about that song. Well, that song, those, those brothers you describe were given the name by the songwriters, the Gatlin boys. Now (laughs) at the time, Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin brothers were a huge, huge country act. Yeah. Simultaneous with Kenny Rogers career, Larry Gatlin, uh, was on Roy's plane. Roy is on Roy Clark's plane, and Dad is up front with Roy. Now the tie there. Some people may not get that tie though. Right. Roy Clark, your dad was his band leader. Yes. Correct? Yes. Okay. And, and traveled with Roy primarily. You know, yeah. like if they flew, that he was with him. So, and 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 Dad can correct me if I'm wrong on this because I'm I'm sure you'll have him as a guest. Yeah. But um, from what I recall, then the story was that dad, dad was sitting up front with Roy, and Dad was looking the other way out the window at something. And when he turned back around to the left, there was a bare <laughs> set of, of rump cheeks right there <laughs> belonging to Larry Kaplan, who just looked at it and Dad said, Hey, Rodney, how's it going? <laughs> but anyway, this that song was out at that time. And, of course, they're joking around and talking, and Dad brings that up, and he goes, Well, what do you think about that? having the being named after you all the Gatlin boys and Larry was upset about it he's like he's I think they probably did it as a joke thinking it was funny he said but forever he goes he goes that's not just an an, an album cut that went away he said that's one of this man's career songs he goes it'll be on forever and he goes forever we're the Gatlin boys Mm -hmm. and he was not happy about that I remember that yeah that was a story so any other stories like that did you know of that you you talked to me I mean I know we'll talk to your dad a little bit about that because I want I would love for him to be on uh, cause the thing that he's been experiencing and seeing, I know are, are deep. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's got a lot of deep cuts if you will, yes, you he know does. I mean? He does. He does. You know, uh, uh, Rick, the things I can think of, I, unfortunately my brain is not what it used to be. When I was, when I came back here, right before I came back, I had a, a, a brain illness right. and, and about bit the dust twice in 2005. From that, I have things that will jar my memory and go, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, I remember that." And then other stuff, it's it take like seeing your story about mm-hmm. the song. I you know it just it plugs it in. So unfortunately, I'm I'm one of those guys that if, if I haven't written the thing down, I will not remember. Shot wow. right, know? and I don't know why, but it's just it's, it it comes back time and time again and i you know it, it, all i would just say people watch my facebook page or something and, and i'll have them on there right you know wow uh, from time to time but yeah yeah i just had so many of them um and and like i said one of them though that was dear dear to my heart and i, I wrote wrote this down was um roy used to have a thing called the celebrity star night mm-hmm. and it was a big thing here in tulsa and um when i was very very young um after school Channel 8 would always show Gilligan's Island about 4.30. Mm-hmm. So my little brother and I would watch that. And at one of the celebrity golf tournaments, Alan Hale Jr., the skipper, was there along wow. with, I think, every other cast member but Tina Louise did not show. But the rest of them were all there. Meeting him, I walked up to him and I you know, told him about you know, my little brother watching you, know, watch you every day and da-da-da-da. 
and he took his hand and he messed up my hair and called me little buddy. Well, man, it was like being touched right. by the Pope, you know? Right, exactly, sure. <laughs> and and I, can, I will never forget then trying to go back to school at Deering School in Deering, Kansas on Monday and tell him I'd met the skipper. They're all like, yeah, sure. Sure you, you did. Know? Yeah, sure you but did. But he was just such a kind mm-hmm. man, you know, because there were a bunch of us little kids that were the, the children of these other, like Mel Tillis's bunch mm-hmm. and all. We're all there. And we're just, he was the it. He was the skipper, you know. Yeah. So it just it was just <laughs> just so cool, you know. I met Sam Drunker that day from uh, oh sure, you know, was it yeah. Petticoat Junction? Uh huh. Okay, yeah. Uh, just a, and a bunch of those guys from those shows would be on because Roy had worked with a bunch of them, like in the in the Beverly Hillbillies. He was cousin Roy Halsey, so I met Donna Douglas mm-hmm. and a bunch of those too. So and Granny, you know, uh, they were all nice people. All those people were just they were very very kind to the public, and that's uh-huh. one thing that struck me was as big as they were. On, you know, on national television, you got and you got to remember, like Hee Haw mm-hmm. itself had 36 million viewers right. per week. You know, and they shot up and down when like American Idol scores of four million or six million. Right. This was way bigger than that. Yeah, and you know, at that time, look at our population. How many people? The percentage of the population knew these people. Right, and then how kind they were. That's what just struck me was even as a kid, I'm like, I know what it's like to be bothered by people. Mm-hmm. You know, and these people never saw it that way, and you know that they were tired. They were mm-hmm. like, like again, like Jesus in the Bible. They right. wanted to go crawl away. Yeah. But they never did that. Mm-hmm. And they weren't ever short with people. They were kind. Yeah. My old boss at Case 101, Mike Carta, and I will never forget this, you're always so kind to everybody on the set. He said, Rodney, at any moment, he said, you could be my boss. He goes, that's why you're nice to everybody going up and going down. Yeah. you got to keep that in mind. Absolutely. That is a great piece of advice. The world would be a better place if we would just be nice. Well, coming up, I am going to be putting Rodney Lay Jr. through the behind the mic speed round of questions. You know, those burning answers that we want to know. We'll put 60 seconds on the clock and put him in the hot seat. That's all up next. Plus, he's going to be performing He Still Looks Over Me live on the Behind the Mic stage. It's all headed your way. And if you love what we're doing here with uh, Behind the Mic and you want to hear more of that, the best way to follow us is two ways. You can go online to Facebook and like our Facebook page. Just search Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. You can find all the information there. Like us. You can also follow us on Twitter. Or if you would like and you get your podcast from iTunes, and subscribe you can rate and review and i would love it if you would do that if you would leave me a review if you love the show and you love what you hear on behind the mic with rick hampton please leave me a rated review i would love it all right here we go behind the mic speed round all right rod you've been in radio you know how this game works we're gonna put 60 seconds on the clock i'll ask you a series of questions you give me your quickest answer add those 60 seconds Time begins after I ask the first question. What's your favorite place to live? Um, Hawaii for a week. Nice. Is Bigfoot real? Yes. Okay. He's, the, he's the Noxie monster, actually. <laughs> All right. Great. If you had a superpower, what would it be? To make people laugh. Laugh man. Laugh man. Okay. All right. Good, good. What's your favorite food? Mexican. Do you like any of the new country out? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Texting or talking? I prefer talking, but I know the world in which we live, you're going to get a text first. Ask permission or beg for forgiveness? Both. What's your biggest phobia? Odd smells. When I can't identify what I'm smelling. Smelling. Okay. Wow. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I like that. 
All right. Nickname your parents used for you, or do they still call you? Uh, well, they don't still call me this, but I, growing up, I was Roddy, R-O-D-D-Y. Mm. And I still have grade school kids that I went to school with that will call me Roddy. Roddy. Okay. They see me in coffee. Bro. Oh, there it is. Yes, that is a new record, I think. 53 seconds on the behind the mic speed round of questions. Way to go, brother. Way to go. All right. You know what? Take those headphones off. You can go ahead and head on over to the stage real quick. And if you'd like to be a big winner, beginning next episode, you could be playing for a $20 gift certificate to Mojo Merchandise. The guest will be doing all the answering, but if they complete the speed round before the 60 seconds are over, you are the big winner. It's really simple to enter. All you have to do is go to Facebook, search Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton, and then send me a message by clicking on the Send Message button right there. I need your name, the city you're listening in, and then a way to contact you. You can also email those entries in if you'd like. It's B. T.M. Rick Hampton at gmail.com. B.T.M. Rick Hampton at gmail.com. You are in for a huge treat because you heard about the song earlier in the show. It was co-written by Mike Richards. He and Rodney won a Dove Award from the Gospel Music Association for Bluegrass Song of the Year back in 1998. From the Behind the Mic stage, it's Rodney Lake Jr. and his big song, He Still Looks Over Me. I don't read the word as often as I should and I don't pray to God as often as I could but I know enough to know his love is guaranteed sometimes I still looks over me yeah yeah sometimes I overlook the fact he gave his only son oh he stood in to bear my sins each and every one he sends angels to protect Sometimes I overlook him, but he still looks over me. Yeah, I fell behind on promises I made, but he's forgiven all of my delays. time I spend in prayer is not what it could be. Sometimes I overlook him, but he still looks over me. Sometimes I overlook the fact he gave his only son. Oh, he stood in to bear 
Sometimes I overlook him, but he still looks over me. Sometimes I overlook him, but he still looks over me. Oh man, that right there is why that song won a Dove Award. He still looks over me by my special guest, Rodney Lay Jr. Brother, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Any parting advice or last-minute words? Well, you know, just uh, be sure you're in church. Except Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. It doesn't get any better than that because you're never alone. Love it. Rodney, I really do appreciate you being on the show today. I love you, man. I, I really have uh, enjoyed every minute that we spend together. Man, I appreciate you being here. Today. I love you, brother. Thank you for having me. This episode of Behind the Mic Podcast was brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we go Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton.